Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, I'm Lisa O'Sullivan bringing you another Spin the Rally pod special. We've already enjoyed hearing Mitsubishi team manager Derek Dauncey's tales from the Safari Rally. As promised, though, he's back to take us through that dramatic climax to the 1998 season at the Rally of Great Britain, where Tommy Mackinnon was on his way to the airport before finding out he had won the championship. Dirtfish.com senior staff writer David Evans has been sitting down once again with Derek Dauncey. Mitsubishi Rally Art, uh, obviously one of the kingpins of that team, uh, Derek. 1998. We all remember this tremendously dramatic end to that season in Rally GB. The, uh, well, was it was it Rally GB? I think was it Network Q. Was it one of those? Possibly yes. But obviously, I mean, it, team Tommy Mackinnon was leading the championship coming in. I think two points ahead of Carlos Sainz coming into the event. So it was kind of winner takes all. But it was huge, huge drama from from the outset, wasn't it? Tell us your memories of the of the run up to that event. The strange thing, the strange, the strange thing was for us that we, if we go back, it, it, the lead up to the event was. The season was a really strange season for us. We we started the season and we had a terrible start for Tommy, and uh, we were looking for the you know for the third championship for him. And we, we'd obviously bolstered the team with a full season with Richard, so we were you know we we're trying to do as well as we could in the manufacturers. But we started the season. Monte Carlo, uh, Tommy retired. He won in Sweden, and then he retired in Kenya and Portugal. So. Yeah. The championship wasn't looking good at all for us, um, and we got to Spain and um, yeah, we finished third in Spain. Not a bad result, but still not not what we needed to kickstart the championship. So we we were like seesawing around, you know, think not not internally thinking that you know the championship had gone, but we needed to turn the fortunes around. And yeah, uh, France he retired, and that was a real big pressure. Then it was massive pressure. So uh, we went to Argentina and won Argentina, but it, it, everything kicked off. We won Finland, Italy, and Australia before we got to Rally GB, and it was all to play for. And it was like the the, the embers of the fire were like slowly going out. And then when he got to Finland and won Finland, like we were like thinking, you know, it was it could be game on and winning in. Mm. Italy was 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 the catalyst, but it was a fantastic fight. But just quickly before we got to GB, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy around uh, the last uh, the last night into the last day um, with the jump start penalty. Um, Toyota trying to protest it. The stewards upholding uh, Phil Shorts 
um, request for them to review um, their decision. They basically... This was in Australia, was it, Derek? Yeah, Gary Connolly had actually introduced a new lighting system where the lights went out, similar to Formula One, and then you went on the on the green light or when the light went out. Yeah. But in theory, in the regulations, it was the timing clock that you had to go by. So we uh, we protested the the, the penalty, um, which meant that Tommy didn't run. Uh, he, he didn't have the actual minutes penalty that was uh, was applied, and. Um, uh, we came away with a win, so it, it, the, the pressure between Tommy and Carlos was on from that last day in Australia before we got to Rally GB. So it made Rally GB, you know, super super exciting. But also, it was, uh, you know, there's not animosity, but it made it a bit more juicy. Yeah, there's a bit to, more to, needle there, wasn't there? Yeah, to try and to try and basically start that event. So. Uh, even Just before to, even it shaped down, there was a lot of eye eye looking, eye, you know, eye glancing, and people looking at the ground, and it was it was very interesting to watch the body language. And it was, I mean, in those days, it was given that looking at the points here, you know, Carlos was on fifty six, Tommy on fifty eight, and in those days, it was ten points for a win, six for a second. So it genuinely was winner takes all. You know, if you won the event, you were, regardless of what the other one did, you were going to be champion. Exactly, yeah, and, and that you know you look at that, uh, the fortunes had changed, and it was all to play for that event, absolutely all to play for, and even in the manufacturers, I think we were four points behind Toyota going yeah. into that round. So, and that's the first time we'd had a proper sniff at winning the manufacturers' title. And I don't think at the time, I I, I honestly didn't think about too much about it. We were we were looking for the third third win for Tommy. Mm. Um, you look you look back at the people that won the world championship over the years, and it was. You know, before the the, the Sebastian's era, um, Uhar's record was what we were trying to match or or beat. So going into that event, it was a it was a driver and a manufacturer's title. But what changed for that for that event as well? Obviously, we had Richard uh, as a joint number one driver. He he was you know he he could he shown that he he could actually do really well on that event and possibly win it. So. Um, we were we were a bit gung, gung ho really to try and see what we could do, but Toyota had numbers, they had extra cars than us. You felt as if you were the same as Subaru. You felt as if you were not the smallest team, but you know you, you felt as if uh, the strength in numbers sometimes can can catch other people out. Yeah, because a lot of the time you would, for a third car, you would have run with the Group N car, wouldn't you? With his older Holder Reed or or some of these other. Um, yeah, that's right. Who in Italy, rally up Germany, we'd, we'd yeah. call on them to, you know, to support us. So, um, you know, it worked, and uh, but we, it was clear that when we started the event, we had to be us leading from the front. And uh, you know, it's really famous. I mean, there's so many iconic images from the event. The first oh. one on the first day was obviously Tommy taking off the the right and rear corner. And retiring on the road section when the police stopped him. I mean, it's. I saw the video like before Christmas, and it's still pretty painful to watch. <laughs> it it yeah. kind of hurts still. Yeah. No, I'm sure. And it, uh, he, um, I can't remember. It, it didn't really matter, you know. Those. This was the days when we had the Sunday stages, that what Marco Ellen called the Mickey Mouse stages of Sunday. You know, we went through Cornbury, Silverstone, these kind of places. But then you never got to Silverstone, did you? It was the road section no. from. Uh, from Millbrook to Silverstone, where he was, he was stopped. Actually, they'd been to Silverstone before, and they went back. That's um, right. But the, the thing, what 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 the, what to remember as well is we'd gone from, you know, being able to service on the side of the road. We would always have a, a van before and after each stage. So you know, you'd have 
13, 14 service vans to cover a, a day's rallying. But now you're into central servicing. So I think when you retired, you still had to do that, that the, the next stage and come to service. It was completely impossible. Okay. Yeah, in one place in the world, you're not going to drag a, a three-wheel car down the road is in, in, in Great Britain. It would never really happen. So it was kind of a shock when it came in. And the way, way you know, the way it happened, hitching a patch of oil, if you look at the in-car now, you can still see Carlos having a moment when he went over that same patch of oil. So it was disappointing. And just a couple of points there. You Undoubtedly, you would have had uh, a service, a management car, a service car, or some ability to rebuild the car at the end of the stage under those previous regulations, wouldn't you? Absolutely. The, the you know when we we would have you know six or seven main service vans before the stage, and in theory, if that had happened before, Tommy would come off the stage, the emergency van would be there, and there'd be two chase cars, at least one chase car there, and one at least a mechanics car, and the, the emergency vans had a complete set of everything in there. A corner, so they could have put a corner on the car at the side. Oh, absolutely, carried two sets of suspension, a set of transmission, two sets of brakes, everything. Wow. To think of. So it's because every van we work, you know, when we worked it out, every van needed to be completely identical. In case you lost a van, you could put an emergency van to a main van, so everybody had the same amount of kit. So um, yeah, if it was the old days, we would have been, we wouldn't have even dropped any time looking at the road time that we had between there and going down to Silverstone. It was it would have been quite quite uh, straightforward. It was it was a links broken off um, and, and a cross member. So yeah. And it's fair to say that at that point, the I think it was it the Hellman Imp wasn't probably Mitsubishi's favourite car. No, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember. Was it, was it a Imp or a Mini? I can't remember which one it was. It was well, no, it, if it was a Hellman Imp, it would have it would have really contorted Andrew Cowan, wouldn't it? Because yeah. he was he was a great one for the Hellman Imp. Yeah, he's got a brilliant Hellman Imp blue blue one. It's um, pristine condition. But uh, no, I mean, I could, you know, for me, the whole thing with the Sunday stage is going right back to. The very first first time I went to a rally went in Sutton Park. I only live quite close to Sutton Park. It was, um, you know, it's taking the rally into the masses. So I love the concept of what they were doing, but it, unfortunately, putting historic cars in front of the main field, it kind of it kind of came back and bit quite hard. Yeah, it did. And from you know from then on, uh, it was a very very straightforward job for for Carlos. Really, wasn't it? I think from memory, Carlos rolled though, didn't he? He didn't the event didn't play out in, in a sort of straightforward fashion. All he needed was three points. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he needed to finish, was it, was it fourth or something in the title? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the, I think they had, they, had, they had Marcus, Carlos and Didier uh, driving for them. And the, the strange thing was that um, I think Marcus had a, an engine failure on maybe Donington on the, on the end of the first day. I, I think That's it was right. Donington. Yeah. And, um, from in, never say never. It was kind of like, oh, sh-, you know, could, could, it, could it be that there's more than one Toyota going to have an engine failure? Or, you know what rallying's like. It kind of throws up all the actual, you know, all the issues that are possible. But it, it became very clear then that um, it, we couldn't really do much. It just was Richard getting in front of Carlos, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, like you know, in the end, the Fords were Yuhar and Bruno Thierry kind of like came to our aid as well. But it was it was it really was um, it really was focusing on Richard trying to do the best he possibly could, giving him the full support, and he drove he drew fantastic at the end of the first day. Richard was uh, I think he was sixth, so yeah. you know he was there and thereabouts, but he, he wasn't setting the world alight at the end of the first day. 
But I mean, we'd seen the year before when he was leading, uh, and then he had the puncture. He took a minute, didn't he, out of McRae in yeah. the fog on the, the stage that is on the border. Yeah. Right. Um, him, him, him and Robert on that stage that day, that time before, in the fog, on the notes, brilliant. The pair of them working so well together. You know, Richard trusting what Robert's reading, and vice versa, and. Um, you know when I said to you before about Lassie in the filing cabinet that that's kind of like it was in their back pocket and that next the second morning uh, in Wales it was it was icy uh, and um, it really was it really was you've got to get through and survive that, that, that first stage and um, there's some great footage if people want to look back online there's some great stuff from that uh, that second morning seeing how, how treacherous the roads were that morning yeah, but it, I mean, they were like you're saying now. They they'd got a lot of experience. They'd they'd led the rally. They knew much more, and they were much more comfortable in the team. Uh, and obviously, earlier that season, as we re- we talked about in the last podcast, they'd won Safari. So they you know they'd got the monkey off the back, and and suddenly they looked quite self assured, didn't they? But they had that weight of responsibility to do this for Tommy, essentially. Yeah, I think I think the I think and I think the whole team's attitude there, there was no one ever that you know my 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 philosophy has always been you know you ask someone to do something you're you're not you're prepared to do it yourself and that came through from andrew feel sure everybody in the team you know alice roberts coordinates everybody would get their hands dirty if they had to get their hands dirty yeah and I think richard richard had some respect for that um we you know there's a lot of things that gone on there's a lot of things i've, I've thought about since you know making some notes for the podcast and stuff that went on and you know Richard in Greece there was so many problems that he had and he just bear with us and we got him to the end that mm. I think that you, you you're wanting your driver to actually believe in what you're trying to achieve and as I said before you know not just winning them themselves but they were they were trying to win it for us and uh, the pressure was on him big time but he really really came through and delivered I mean the end of the end of the second leg he was he was he was it's first overall and you know that's difficult to go to sleep that night coming back and, and thinking about you know what you've got to do for the following day yeah no exactly and i mean it's worth pointing out that obviously colin had a an engine problem uh, on what would be his last his last ever outing with with subaru um, yeah. but there wasn't just one mccray there that year there were two alistair was in the other in, in another factory subaru but he wasn't really the same sort of threat was he that um that colin was no, Colin. I mean, it's it's you know, there's there's really really good drivers, and there's drivers that are, are, are just a bit above there. And it's it's like what you see now with the championship. You know, yeah. Elvin Evans has come on and made himself, a, you know, in in the A class of the drivers, absolutely one hundred percent. And all these drivers come through, and it's just whether or not you get the right break to get into the top class. And got a lot of time for Alistair, brilliant driver. Never had that opportunity with the cars he drove. You know, a bit more experience, but Colin, Carlos, Yuha, Tommy, you know, uh, Harry Proven Prairie was was basically just about there. Marcus was there, you know. They 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 all kind of knocked on the door and did really well. And you know, even even Yuha, at the age he was in the, back in '98, he he finished second at that event. He was a fair bit off the off the pace in the end, but. You know, it was uh, for the Fords. That was the last time they were. I think that was the last time they ran. They were on the two cars on the podium. But Colin and Alistair, you know, they they were, you know, they were stalwarts in the British rally scene. But you know, got that second leg as well. Didier had a clutch fail on the Toyota. So again, following on from Marcus, 
we were starting to think, you know, you know, if but what what could happen? And Tommy was Tommy was thinking about going home, I believe, but stopped for the for the finish, um, which was which, which was handy in the end. That was what I was going to ask then. So so he you know he eventually presumably a management car goes out to pick Tommy up from the side of the road between Millbrook and Silverstone. The guy must have been you know pretty much heartbroken at at, at his winning running championships had gone. You know this this chance to match Kankanen's four championships had had gone okay and you know the potential for him to become the first um driver to win three championships on the bounce uh that that had gone what sort of frame of mind what was he like when when you saw him i i, I saw him on the, the sunday the sunday night and um it, it it's kind of like um We'd almost wrote the season off early in the year. I think yeah. that he he drove he drove so well. Finland obviously no one could touch him in Finland. I think he won that event. I think he was it four or five times in a row he won that year in Finland. I mean that's that's incredible to think that you know pre pre Sebastian Loeb and pre Sebastian Auger, you know the Group A cars weren't as sophisticated as the World Rally cars. And you know Tommy was driving really well. Italy was a fantastic result for him. So. When we went to Australia, it was it was his favourite event, and um, he just he just knocked it out of the park. So, and 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 this whole thing about running first on the road, he just accept that and move on. So, I think yeah. it's like a, it was like a big graph. It went up, it went down, it went up, it went down. Massive disappointment, you know. That was he he drove so well to get put himself into position. It's just to, I think if he'd have made the mistake and rolled out, or you know. It's a partnership. If we'd had a technical problem and it had gone out, it would have been okay. But it was hard to accept when it was, you know, a patch of oil, and yeah. he was the first person to hit it. It was difficult to accept. He was a very, he is a very philosophical guy, though, isn't he? You know, he he kind of rolls with the punches, and, yeah. and you, you don't get this this kind of Latin temperament um, that you, that you might have got from other people, as we did, indeed, see from Lewis Moyer in at the end of Margam. Um, yeah. But he he did stay around. He stayed in the in the hotel. Uh, we were based in Cheltenham that year, I think. That's right. Yeah, Cheltenham. Um, and, um, that, that you know, everybody can everybody's seen the pictures of Lewis with the helmet through the back of the car. But it, I mean, I can't, I cannot not feel sorry for for Carlos and Lewis because it's you know for uh, you, you've got two hats in some respects. It's a hat for the team, and you want to win everything you can. But you've got a hat for the sport, and they've done yeah. they've done a really good battle with with um, with Tommy. And it was, as you said before at the start of the podcast, it was all or nothing with the way, the way the points situation was. So, you know, getting to that last stage and almost being able to roll over the finish and the engine to fail um, was 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 inc- inc- incredible to watch. Um, and um, we got. We got some information that uh, he hadn't cleared the stage, and Tommy's brother uh, was one of the film crews that was was there, um, and we were already you know celebrating Richard coming you know finishing, and um, uh, we were got mixed messages whether or not the actual whether it was actually true that he'd stopped. Um, so uh, we it was like half an hour just waiting for confirmation, but uh, half an hour. Yeah, it, it was half an hour just to make sure that you know by the time he, he hadn't got to the next control that he was then OTL. Yeah, so, yeah. so and at that point now I didn't click until 
probably about another half an hour later that we we'd taken a manufacturer's title, which was, which, yeah. you know, for everybody that was for me that was a a, a brilliant thing. Because whether whether people bang about on about it or they're just like you know they've got it in the back pocket that the the driver Tommy was you know, won it for three three uh, championships in a row brilliant brilliant result brilliant brilliant end of the year but for the whole team everybody could call themselves world champions and um, yeah. a big big pride for everybody massive pride and you'd taken on you know huge teams through the you through your your time in in the sport with Mitsubishi you know Toyota much bigger budget. Uh, you know, Ford, Subaru, really well-oiled machines, and and you with your you know smaller team, you go back to '96 Safari, you know, a one-car entry, winning the first time you ever did that event. You you did it your own way, didn't you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I can't praise Andrew enough. I mean, he you know, you know, he suddenly died early part of the year, but he he educated so many of us, the original boys. I mean, it was only 16 full-time staff when I joined. Yeah. And um, everybody else was freelance, and um, all the freelance, all all the all the staff that stopped back at the factory, you know, they had a they had a great leadership from Andrew and a, and a way of spending the, the the Scottish pounds in the right way. It was, uh, you know, you know, fair play to Andrew and Linda. I mean, the yeah. way the Japanese budget worked, we had Monty Monty Sweden and Kenya the first three events, and the Japanese budget year never started until April. You know, they they. They had the farmers collateral to make sure that we had the, the funding in place for the bridging, bridging the actual finances until the payments came through to start the financial year from Japan. So, so many things that happened in the background. Uh, but as you say, we, we weren't a massive, you know, we weren't massively funded like some of the other teams, but we tried to spend the money wisely and we tried to be clever with it. Was, was there a way, or in any way, did... <laughs> Did Richard's victory on the event, did it almost get overshadowed by, firstly, the absolute shock of, of the fact that Tommy was now champion, and then the shock a little bit later that you were manufacturer's champions? I think it was, it was, it was three hits. It was basically that, it was like, because it was a massive seesaw, the whole event. I mean, you know, everybody's heads was down when we lost Tommy, but like, like we could still win this event. We wanted, you know, Jack, as I said before on the last podcast, it was... You know, Monte Carlo, uh, Finland, Greece, Safari, and GB were like key events for the Japanese to win. So, you know, we need to win this event. You know, minimum, we need to come away with uh, another win and um, and see what physically happens. So, at that point, I wasn't sure. I, did, I kind of completely forgot about the, the manufacturer's title. So, when we got to the finish, it was brilliant, Richard winning it. it I'm so pleased for him and Robert. But then, you know, that was the first you know, that the adrenaline went up because of that. And then you heard that, you know, cars had stopped and it's like, okay, he stopped, he's got a puncher or be back on the road section, whatever. No, he retired. So, hey, presto, you know, Tommy had won the title and then the realisation that we'd win the manufacturer's title. So there, there was a massive party in Cheltenham that night. And if you look at the pictures of, of the, the whole teams up on the, um, the whole teams up on the, the ramp, but, I didn't actually go to the ramp. I was honestly, I'd kind of like hit a wall. You know, when you sometimes you've, you basically just everything, just all your energy runs out of you. Yeah. I was absolutely shattered by the end of the event. It was just, I don't sleep during rallies normally, but it was just, I don't know why I was so, so tired. I got back to the hotel and the party was in full swing. And I, I, I just literally, uh, 
I, I kind of like just savoured the moment, a bit of five minutes quiet in some respects. It, it was a brilliant. It was brilliant to watch the boys. It was um, they deserved everything. But these, you know, these events, you know, okay, this this nineteen ninety eight rally, old Great Britain wasn't, you know, an, an RAC of the early eighties or late seventies, but still they take a huge amount out of you, don't they? You know, you, you are so focused, and the the emotional aspect as well of you know, like you say, Tommy going out then. Colin leading and the fight with Richard and Richard getting into the lead and then that incredible moment with with Carlos in, in Margam uh, and and going on to it to win the titles. It's we we heard Malcolm Wilson talk a lot about his sort of Super Sunday when Elvin won Rally GB in seventeen, then Auger won the drivers, then M Sport won the manufacturers. It is an incredible achievement um, and and one that uh, that you should all be very very proud of. But is there is there a, a kind of a memory of where Tommy was when when he found out? Was he at the hotel? I mean, there was a rumor at the time that he was on his way to the airport because he thought the job was done uh, and it wasn't going to happen for him. But can you remember anything of, of his reaction? He, he he was basically he was about to leave the hotel. Um, I think I'm not sure it was finished. It wasn't finished TV. It must be RTE or somebody uh, yeah. got him for an interview, and uh, we were trying to call Tommy, and we were. Uh, trying to get reception at the time and uh, um, it was Tommy's brother that finally got through to him to tell him um, I think Phil was trying to call him I spoke to him as well and he asked me if it was absolutely 100% true but I think that was must have been like 20 minutes after his brother had spoke to him and um, uh, I think he was still in disbelief you know it was. Yeah. I think he must have called a few people but uh, yeah it was in the middle of an interview and we were trying to get hold of him there, so he, but he was literally leaving a hotel packed on his way to the to the going to go leave for the airport. And um, uh, if you if you, he basically got his Mitsubishi jacket out and come onto the podium in the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, last stage. What do you think? You think it's all gone? It's not. He didn't expect that to be. Uh, you know, he didn't expect that to be basically uh, the end, end result of what's going to happen. So yeah, it was. Uh, I'm sure it was. Uh, it, it was. Uh, a massive shock to him for sure and uh it was a brilliant result for him he drove as i said sometimes you see championships won and you then haven't really done that brilliant this season and some i can look at yeah. two or three of them but he drove so well in finland italy and, and uh, australia that um he definitely deserved he definitely deserved to be in the in the shout for it and not to be robbed the way it possibly was going to be with a patch of oil on the ground yeah no, and, and 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 quite rightly, like you say, you know, from a sporting perspective, you you have to say the same really about Carlos. You know, he I know he almost him and Lewis almost count ninety-eight as the one what well, it's the one that got away for them. You know, um, if that engine had lasted, you know, another half an hour, an hour, they would have been champions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing as well you've got to remember is that you know if you look at a championship and. To get to that end point, everyone's done. All the drivers have done all the recce's. They've done all the yeah. testing. They've been away for like three hundred days a year. It's yeah. a lot of effort to put in to get robbed on, you know, within sight of the finish. And I do feel sorry for him. Actually, Carlos was came to drive for us at RED after I left Mitsubishi for um, for Portugal for a promotion. We came drove one of our cars with Mikko Hervnen, and we sat down and talked about that and a few other things. And um, um, you know, because normally you just if your driver's not with you, you get to say good morning to them, may have a, quite, yeah. a chat with them. But um, I sat down and had a chat with Carlos for like two hours, um, 
I think it was 2004, and a very, very uh, unbelievably professional guy, but interesting to, to hear his idea of what was happening with Mitsubishi and telling him what was happening, because it was quite interesting, really. <laughs> yeah, feel free to tell us. <laughs> no, it's just basically the some of the things that happened over the years, like Argentina, you know, Carlos was really peeved off that we'd, mm. there was one particular stage where you left service and did a loop and come back. It was unusual we did one stage and go back to service. And we just decided, I think it was Lassie said, oh, let's just take, we didn't want to, it was talk about not taking a spare. Yes, yeah. let's take a spare, let's not. And we ended up putting, I don't know if you remember, there's like a tractor tire really narrow. It was half the weight oh. of a gravel tire with, with, with the loose. And we put that in and, Toyota thought we were going to go with that tyre choice and sent Carlos out with it. And uh, Tommy took 30 or 40 seconds out of out of Carlos. But when I explained to him we didn't do it deliberately, we watched you leave thinking you, we couldn't believe it. He was like, his head was shaking thinking that we'd pulled the fastest, you know, the biggest stunt out. It was just by mistake, really. <laughs> it is incredible, though, isn't it? You know, that how, you know, teams become very insular. Uh, and and you know this this feeling against other teams can build up, and then the rumours and the Chinese whispers, and they're doing this, and now they're doing this. It it really can build, uh, and it's only after drivers retire. And they, you know, I've sat and interviewed a lot of drivers, and they sat down and talked and said, you know, we got it completely wrong at the time. Um, but you're so focused on what you're doing, you can't see uh, anything beyond that, can you? No, and that, that's it's really strange. It's like we we've always been strong in. If we pick a tire, we, we normally stick with the tire. We've got Lassie, we've got the gravel crews, we've got, you know, Tommy himself, um, like Monte Carlo. You, we, we, we were being watched all the time by another team, mm. and um, in the back, back for Monte Carlo, you could either go with a narrow tire, you know, with st with uh, with studs in it, or you could go with a racing tire with half studs or full slick. So, but Tommy was a master on sister on. He could take time out of everybody, and the teams would watch what we we're doing. So I decided that we'd. We spoof the team, and we, I ran out and put the, the small discs on, which meant we were taking the narrow tires, and they ran off and put the put Liatti on the narrow tire, and we were never going to go on it. And um, Tommy took a chunk of load of time out of Liatti, but you know, there's there's only a few times you can do that before people get wise. But when you explain to to Carlos about what happened in Argentina, there's a couple of other things as well. It's mm. kind of like it's. Um, it's not one-upmanship, it's just the way, way you do it. Sometimes you do it just to, to spoof people. But, um, yeah, yeah def definitely definitely interesting to talk to the drivers afterwards. And I'm sure that there's, there's loads of stories that come out from, from what they believe was happening and what wasn't happening. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, that was the 1998 Rally of Great Britain. Richard Burns' second WRC victory, Tommy's third championship, Mitsubishi's first championship, and Derek Dornsey, the man that was right in the middle of it. Thank you very much uh, for another fascinating insight. Mega. Thank you. A big thank you once again to Derek Dauncey, team manager of the Mitsubishi World Rally team. And what a way to finish a season. Unbelievable scenes for Tommy Mackinnon and, of course, for poor Carlos Sainz. How must he have felt? And what about the Toyota team manager? Well, we will find out because George Donaldson is going to sit down and talk it through with Colin Clark in the very next episode of Spin the Rally Pod. Make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe to Spin the Rally Pod through your podcast provider and it will be delivered lickety-spit into your device. But for now, thanks for listening.